Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. The Title IX debate. Is there a better way to handle sex assault cases on campus? Jeannie Sook Gerson. Everyone on campus has an equal right to fair treatment, whether it is the accused or the accuser. I see the argument that when a document with that kind of symbolic importance, such as the Dear Colleague Letter, gets retracted by a government headed by Donald Trump, that that can communicate to various people, including victims, that they're not valued as much as they previously were. How do we fix it? How do we fix it? Richard, Title IX, what does that mean to you? Well, I did a little reading up on this subject, Jim, as you might expect. We usually prepare for our shows. What a concept. (laughs) Yeah, and and I understand as part of the civil rights law that guarantees that women and men are treated equally in education. Things like getting equal access to sports programs, but there's also more. Yeah, and over the years, it's been interpreted as governing how colleges handle cases of sexual harassment and sexual assault, and that aspect has been increasingly controversial and is in the news right now. Yeah, just days ago, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos announced that her department would be rolling out changes to Title IX. Or more specifically, rolling back some changes to Title IX. Nine that were implemented during the Obama administration. Our guest today is Harvard Law Professor Jeannie Sook Gerson. She was an outspoken critic of those Obama administration rules, and here's what she told us about the political environment today. There's no way to make a nuanced argument without being characterized as being an enemy. And that is something that we see in all parts of our political discourse right now, and this area of sexual assault and of campuses is one it's only one of them, but it's one that is where, where that polarization is highly pronounced so that a position of let's have fairness for all parties. So first, Jim, before our interview, a little background. It's complicated, so we're going to give you a 60-second history lesson and keep it at 60 <laughs> seconds. Try. So it goes back to 2011. Obama's education department issued something called a Dear Colleague Letter. It told colleges they had to handle sexual assault cases in ways that were more favorable to victims. This involved things like applying a weaker standard of evidence in deciding whether the sexual assault 
had taken place. And schools that didn't comply could lose their federal funding. So understandably, some schools at least responded by changing the way they investigate these cases. And those investigations now sometimes lack much in the way of due process for the accused. For example, accused students might not be told exactly what they're accused of, or they may not be allowed to ask questions of their accuser. And the result of all this, whether you're for or against it, is, is a huge controversy. So let's bring in Jeannie Sook Gerson, a professor at Harvard Law School and a contributing writer for The New Yorker. She joins us via Skype from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Welcome to How Do We Fix It? Thank you. So you've been critical of the way Title IX has been applied in college sexual abuse cases for a long time. Why? Well, the reason that I've been critical of Title IX enforcement is not because I disagree with Title IX or disagree with the fact that it does address sexual harassment and the need of schools to address sexual harassment fairly, impartially, um, and promptly. It's really because the way that it has been interpreted at all the different schools that have been trying to implement Title IX has meant that a lot of unfairness has ensued. So what's wrong with how Title IX is being used in these cases? Well, in a lot of school processes, you see a lot of very basic requirements of fairness being ignored. So in a number of cases that have come before our courts in the last three years, we've seen judges actually call out these practices whether it's a state school or a private school, and and say, you know, these just aren't fair. They include things like not giving the parties written notice of the charges. So let's say someone is accused, they may not they might not get a, a written notice about what exactly they're charged with. They might not even learn who the accuser is or when the event took place. They might not know what portion of the school's policy they are accused of having violated. Um, And then once they get to the the process, they may not be allowed to bring a lawyer and they may not be allowed to ask questions of the other side. So so a few days days ago, uh, Betsy DeVos announced that the Department of Education was rolling back some Obama-era rules for how to handle these cases. What did they change? Well, They haven't changed very much, really, on the surface of it, but they've changed a big thing that is getting a lot of attention, and that is the Obama administration's statement in 2011 in a Dear Colleague letter to schools that schools must use the preponderance of the evidence standard. So the preponderance of the evidence is a standard that requires 50% plus a little bit more. Some people call it 50% plus a feather. Um, (laughs) So that is, and if they're convinced by 50 plus a feather percent, then that person can be disciplined. So in other words, with that preponderance standard, it kind of is a he said, she said thing where one side presents its case, the other side presents its case. And if one side is slightly more convincing than the other one, then, uh, then, then, then action can be taken. Right. Either way, one side or the other side. It's either if it's a finding of responsibility or a finding of not responsible. That's that's a huge that's a huge difference between uh, that standard and beyond a reasonable doubt, which is used in criminal cases. Yes, it is. However, I do not think that really the conversation is about preponderance versus 
beyond a reasonable doubt. I do not think there are many plausible voices out there advocating that what should happen on college campuses is the use of a criminal standard beyond a reasonable doubt, which is an extraordinarily high standard. It is a very, very high standard that we reserve for use when we are taking away somebody's liberty and branding them a criminal. Um, And that is not what college campuses are doing. That's not what they're there to do. So I don't think that the comparison, the the really appropriate one is between beyond a reasonable doubt and preponderance. It's actually between preponderance and a little bit of a higher standard, such as clear and convincing evidence. Now, that's a standard that's in between the two standards. And with the guidance last week from the Department of Education indicated is that you can use preponderance of the evidence and you can use clear and convincing evidence and both of those standards, whichever one a school chooses, would be considered compliant with Title IX. The previous position during the Obama administration was that schools had to use preponderance of the evidence. But they, they, but they probably, do have to be consistent, right? They, they can't use yes. a tougher so standard that, in, in, the, in yeah. the sexual assault cases, but then if it's a case of um, you know, cheating or something, use a, a different standard. Yes. So that is a kind of interesting buried point in a footnote in the guidance that was issued last week. And I think the apt comparison really is, let's say you have sexual harassment on the one hand and racial harassment on the other. Well, the current situation at some schools is that they use preponderance for sexual harassment because that is what the Department of Education has said in the past that they have to do. And they then use clear and convincing for racial harassment, which means that that's a higher standard for proving that somebody racially harassed you. And so I think that perhaps even my school, Harvard Law School, has an unresolved issue to deal with, which is that... um, that we may be using inconsistent standards depending on the kind of misconduct simply because the preponderance standard is the one the government required, but the clear and convincing standard is the one that the school has long considered fair. This new guidance was Mm -hmm. still quite controversial. Senator Dianne Feinstein tweeted, Secretary DeVos is putting the rights of the accused above those of sexual assault victims. What do you think? Well, Perhaps Senator Feinstein and others have information about Betsy DeVos's true intentions. But if you actually look at the documents themselves, they do not put anyone's rights above anyone else. They try, at least in the way that it's articulated, to say that everyone on campus has an equal right to fair treatment, whether it is the accused or the accuser. And so it is actually, in my view, irresponsible to be telling students that their rights were all wrapped up in the 2011 Dear Colleague letter and that they are all gone. That is wrong and that is irresponsible because that is not true. Students still have rights. Our guest today is Harvard Law Professor Jeannie Sunk Gerson and it's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. A lot of people say that these kinds of cases, cases of sexual assault, should be handled by the courts and not by colleges. What do you say? There are different roles for courts and colleges, and um, I I am not of the view that only colleges should deal with sexual assault that happens among students. I am of the view that sometimes it is appropriate for both colleges and the criminal justice system or maybe even the civil tort system 
to be adequate venues or appropriate venues for these matters. But in my view, it is wrong to say when an act of sexual harassment or sexual assault occurs on campus, schools should not do anything about it. They should just wait for the police or call the police and tell the police to do something. I don't think that that's right. Colleges are not in the business of that kind of punishment. We may think of it as punishment to be expelled or suspended from school, but what what it really is is a way of enforcing community norms about acceptable behavior. And colleges do that all the time in the realm of non-sexual behavior. So if someone uh, beats someone up, they could, of course, call the cops, but they also would have the ability and in my view, the appropriate, uh, the appropriate role of saying, you know, you did, you violated a norm of our community, a rule of our community, and you are going to be disciplined. That's, we need to improve the processes. And I think it's just a natural process that, that basically y- the government tries one thing. It has these desirable consequences, but it has some undesirable consequences. And so then you've got to look at it again and do some revision. And this is a natural process. I think it's a very unhappy fact of our times that this process of trying to say, we got this right, we got that wrong, um, is, is really being stymied. And um, it's, just, it's, being, it's just being misunderstood as a kind of um, desire to mistreat sexual assault victims. Yeah. And I think that that is, that, I, I, I don't take that view. I don't think that that view is helpful. I don't think it's accurate. And I think that um, saying that again and again, and especially this mischaracterization of the documents that were issued last week, is um, a a sign of willful ignoring of the rights that students currently have, and also a sign of how politically polarized we are. That's part of the problem, isn't it? That we're just uh, that we're dealing in with this problem in such a politically like you assume there's an assumption that because it comes from the trump administration exactly. it has to be anti-women yeah that there is an assumption and i have to say as as a, a feminist law professor and um someone who is not fond of donald trump on many levels i understand where that comes from and i and i'm highly skeptical of him and of his administration but that doesn't mean I'm not going to look directly at what they are doing and make a judgment about whether it is good or bad. So on that topic of, of the unfairness, I mean, one way that you can see this play out is there have been so many cases where men have been accused of some kind of sexual misconduct, often expelled from school, and then they've turned around and sued the school for denying them their due process, their, or their Title IX rights. And what yes. happens to most of these cases? Well, they form the bulk of Title IX cases in the courts of the last few years, that is, cases by men who've been expelled by their schools who are now saying, I was expelled through an unfair process. And that unfair process violates my Title IX rights. And that's that has been the vast majority of the Title IX cases we have seen filed from, from students in, over the last few years. And there has been kind of a resounding judicial um, disapproval, I would say, of the way colleges are handling it. That doesn't mean that there's judicial disapproval of Title IX itself um, or of the idea of enforcing Title IX. It's that a lot of judges, and I would say 60-plus judges, 
have enabled those students who are suing to survive a motion to dismiss by the school. And that's a big deal because then what happens is that the school settles with the student um, and then the case usually ends. A few have gone to trial, but generally when the case settles, it's seen as an acknowledgement that the school knows that there's something that didn't quite go right. We're speaking with Harvard Law Professor Jeannie Gerson on handling sexual assault cases on campus. The process, is it fair? What can be done to improve it? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. It's How Do We Fix It? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Professor Gerson, you're a feminist, and it's often said by feminists that there is a rape culture on college campuses. Is there? Well, there, it, there may be, in fact, a rape culture on college campuses, but it is not the only culture that exists on college campuses. You can find pockets of rape culture. You can find pockets of culture that is very much against rape. And you can find culture where um, there is a lot of unfair thinking about rape. And it could be unfair to victims. There's a lot of culture on college campuses that also is unfair toward the accused, that assumes that anyone who's accused has done it, or that someone who's accused doesn't deserve a fair hearing. Um, I think culture is pretty complex. And so right now we're in a moment where we have both the old assumptions about women and their sexual agency interacting in an interesting and sometimes very troubling way with reaction to what I think of as unfairness to accuse students. So are you getting a lot of criticism as a, as a Harvard professor for your stance on this issue? Yeah, I, I think that that's inevitable right now. Um, I think there's a valid debate to be had. And of course I welcome that completely. Um, and the criticism itself is not an issue or a problem. In fact, it, it should be debated what fairness really means. That should be debated. But I think that what, what I am troubled by is the inability to understand that there are multiple ways to be um, in favor of treating sexual violence seriously and treating all parties fairly um, and that there isn't just one or the other either. I guess one of the fundamental questions here 
is will these changes that have just been announced by Betsy DeVos in the education department mean that sexual assault victims are less likely to come forward in future? I think that these guidelines can have lots of meaning beyond what the guidance actually says. Just like the Dear Colleague letter of 2011 had lots of meaning beyond what it said. So what we see sometimes is that the government does something and then a whole bunch of people talk about it in a way that doesn't correspond to what the government actually did. And then you see, for example, after the 2011 Dear Colleague letter, schools did a lot of unfair, disastrous things in their adjudication processes that are nowhere to be found in the Dear Colleague Letters directions. But it sounds like you're saying, I don't know whether they will or won't. Is that fair? I don't think I can possibly know that. And I, I see the argument that when a document with that kind of symbolic importance, such as the Dear Colleague Letter, gets retracted by a government headed by Donald Trump, that that can have a social meaning and that may communicate to various people, including victims, that they're not valued as much as they previously were, which is why I find it so important to articulate that this action, rescinding the Dear Colleague letter last week and the replacement documents, the temporary ones that were issued, do not actually take away victims' rights to a fair and impartial adjudication process on campus. So the government never said you should treat victims like they don't matter. Well, if schools do do that, then of course that would be a problem. And I would be speaking out against that. Okay. Thank you very much, Professor Jeannie Sook Gerson. Thank you. Gosh, Jim, I'm sitting here doing nothing, and I'm worried that you're going to have too much to say. Why is that? Um, no, we're good. We're, we're, we're good. Alrighty. I was just... Um... <laughs> just kidding. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> so, Jim, it can't surprise you that I am no fan of Betsy DeVos or most of her education policies. But what this show does is raise the irony that somebody in the Trump administration, a senior official, might have a pretty good idea. And doing something that even liberals can agree with, although not all, certainly. I mean, no. you know, New York Senator uh, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand said that, the, that these new um, rule rollbacks quote, betray our students. And, and that raises this broader point that Ginny Sook Gerson made about how there's no way to make a nuanced argument without being seen as an enemy. It's, it's the left versus right, the huge political polarization we have in this country. Yeah, and this is something, you know, it's come up so many times on this show, and I think we're kind of dedicated to the idea that ideas can be rationally discussed, even if people disagree. But she mentioned this kind of willful ignorance, this, this desire to see if an idea comes from the opposite tribe, from the one you're in. Not only do you not want to engage with the ideas, there's an incentive to misconstrue them. It, and, 
In the defense of liberals, though, I mean, that comment by Candace Jackson, who's a top DeVos official, she was not fired saying that 90 percent of the accusations over sexual assault on campus fall into the category of we're both drunk. That is not helpful. And that is not rational discussion of this issue. Right. And this is so typical of the way the Trump administration, even when every so often they work their way towards a policy, a lot of people could agree with that has some arguments for it. They managed to frame it, not DeVos didn't do this, but that somebody in her department would say something like that. It's just so typical the way they step on their own arguments and make things, sometimes things that might even be at least defensible, sound horrible and, and, and undermine their own work. So this idea that you either favor the accused or the accuser is a false choice. And that's a key point that Jeannie Suk Gerson is making. She makes a point in some of her writings on this topic that's quite subtle, and I think it's hard for a lot of people to, to really process, but that a fairer, more transparent uh, process of investigating and adjudicating these disputes is better for the victims, too. There's, if you can have more confidence in the entire process and, and the idea that the outcome is fair and defensible, that's really, in the long run, that's better for everybody. So... Jeannie, so Gerson is arguing that a clearer procedure uh, would help both sides, that, that a clearer definition of what we're doing here that's understood and accepted as fair by the overwhelming majority of college administrators is, is, is the best way to go. Right. And there's another lesson, kind of a final lesson for me that I take from this, and that's the idea of mission creep. In so many policies, it sounds sensible. Who would argue against the original idea of Title IX, that everybody should be treated equally in schools? Who would argue that women on campus shouldn't be protected from sexual harassment and sexual assault? Of course they should. But you see how over time, and with certain style of enforcement, these ideas can creep into other areas and lead to something that's actually very unhealthy, the situation we have now that, that has gotten so many... People who are legal experts, like Professor Gerson, worried that we've moved into almost what she calls a sex bureaucracy. Yeah, but I want to push back, and yeah. that is I don't want to go back to the bad old days. If, if, if the Trump administration eventually, and it's not clear exactly what they'll do with their guidelines, this, this is by no means settled, if they simply want to go back to what we had before, then to me, that's really unacceptable, and I think it's unacceptable course, yeah. to Jeannie Sunkerson. Right. This is a big problem, sexual assault on campus. It has to be dealt with fairly. It's how do we fix it? I'm Jim Meggs. I'm Richard Davies. And at- once we agree, almost. <laughs> almost. Our producer is Miranda Schaefer, and the music is by Luz Stravinsky. Can you say we're a production of Davies? We're a production of Davies Content. Yeah, we make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. More at DaviesContent.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 